or a family are firmly planted in the spring and can say goodbye to winter, we are dying for midnight DFM. And today, Carrie and I are going to talk about the Adams Family and one of our film festival favorites. Not to be confused, Carrie, with the Adams Family, Grayson, or Netflix. No, the Adams Family, hailing from the Catskills in New York, and they're awesome, awesome, awesome. I've got Austin and our buddy Jake oh, yes. on the mind. Awesome, love you, Jake. The Midnight Traveler. Often permitless, <laughs> according to the episode on Joe Bob, film Hellbender. Well, they did record on their own <coughs> property, so they would not did be they? permanent. Did we ever find that out? I think they said. Are you? This, is this a carry thing where you're guessing and saying yes? I thought I remember. <laughs> they, okay. they did film a lot of places. I will, just, I will just go back and rely on the fact that... Uh, Papa Adams had said that they had often filmed with the camera that looks like you're just taking pictures. So anyways, folks, check out the Joe Bob episode. Um, the plot to Hellbender is simple. The setting, as Carrie started mentioning, is perfect. And it has just enough artistic flair to make us consider ourselves a connoisseur of art house horror. Maybe. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to pretend like I'm some art connoisseur. I just had to say that because I'm just, I need to laugh at myself today. But, um, but it's not so artsy that it gets in the way um, of amazing character development. It's got a great background story, lore, uh, the hellbender lore. I love it. I wish I had a little bit more of the lore. It left me wanting a little bit more. Well, that's good storytelling. You can fill in your blanks with your head. Um, I can't even English today, folks. We didn't have the kids all weekend, so I should be like ready and raring to go. So, um, the soundtrack to Carrie by the Adams family. Um, we need to get that vinyl. We do. I love it. Like we've watched this twice now. The first time I was like, oh, this music school. The second time it really, the music really stood out. Um, Hey guys, this is episode eight. What we called worm slash protein. I think we had our keto diet on the brain. Yes. Equals power, which we need to get back onto, by the way. I need to start exercising again. Um, we are discussing the one part, just one part, because hellbenders aren't just all witch, right? No. That's what we learned. The one part witchy movie, hellbender. Carrie, no, and you can't just call them witches. It would not do it justice. Yes. So, Carrie... Remind me then, re-educate me on what a hellbender is exactly. Well, according to the Adams family themselves, via the Joe Bob episode that we watched, they are one part witch, one part demon, and one part malevolent serpentine entity, which goes back to Libyan roots. But more on that later. So let's go into the comfy, comfy, comfy horror movie review. Carrie, I'm such an awesome husband. Why did I make this a comfy weekend for you, Carrie? <laughs> because I got to have my coffee fix, for one. We got to go to one of our favorite coffee spots. I I go to many of the coffee houses in our area, and yes, there are quite a few. Um, but this was one we haven't been to in a while. And then we went for ice cream. So we got loaded up on caffeine and then loaded up on sugar. I'm actually surprised since we've been on the lower carb side over all the past two years, we, we haven't been so good the past couple no, weeks. we haven't. Um, that I didn't end up with a headache or like feeling crummy from all the carbs. We didn't overload though. 
in in a way we it didn't was overload enough we didn't overindulge shall i say so okay so we were super comfy this weekend and um but i'm i'm even more i'm feeling good about having the kids back it's like a couple days and then it feels weird for me i just i do like having the background noise the little circus going on in the house yeah but um it, this was our last weekend sans the kids for a few months at least um and uh maybe Maybe, maybe another episode we'll talk about what we're going to be doing at the beginning of May once the plans are firmly in place. Yes. So, um, yeah, so we, we went out, went out, what flavor of ice cream did you have even? Salted caramel ice cream. I liked cream. yours better than mine. I had the, the Oreo and dough and I've got one piece of dough on the whole damn thing, but I, I still love the place. I gotta though. tell you, every time our daughter goes and gets that same flavor, she gets like four or five, like in a cup. They just don't like me over there. <laughs> <laughs> I think you get some bad luck with I some do. of that stuff. That's why I should have stuck with the uh, Irish coffee. Uh, or was it? Uh, yeah, Irish yeah, coffee. The Irish coffee yeah. ice cream would have been the best. Anyways, yeah, we uh, we came home. What did we do? We had we started a Romero night, right? We watched yes, Martin. We did the maybe he's a vampire movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just crazy. Maybe he's both. And then we. You need to finish Hotep. You need to yes. finish Bubba Hotep. We were going to watch Knight Riders and be like, okay, we're, we're good on Romero. And I was talking to Carrie about um, Joe Bob, you know, traveling around um, showing Bubba Hotep and some other films. And I'm like, you, she loves Bruce Campbell. I'd have a feeling that you would leave me for Bruce Campbell, correct? Bruce Campbell is awesome. I'm going to... I love Ash. Wow, guys. Hey, DFM, D, DFM, DFM fam. Do you notice how she kind of like had a non-reaction there? Um, it's deafening. Would, would she leave me for Bruce Campbell? Let's do a poll. I, I would leave me for Bruce Campbell. <laughs> um, that's why I had to introduce you to Bubba Hotep because I knew like you would love that movie. But um, yeah, so you had the ice cream. Um, what did you eat? So I finally got one of their cinnamon rolls, which I've seen on pictures. It lo- always looks amazing, and I'm never there early enough. You saw them on pictures? Did you go in there, take? <laughs> did somebody take pictures of them and just say, hey, give you some Polaroids? <laughs> <laughs> you saw it on Facebook? Yes. Oh, okay, I was just checking. Yes. thought maybe you had like a, a Deja Brew stalker. <laughs> no. I, Go yeah. in there, report back to me with pictures. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do check them out to see what they have. And I've always wanted to have their cinnamon rolls that look amazing. And I finally got to. It was so good. Super hot coffee, too. Yeah, it was It was really good. And I know that they've switched ownership recently. I think they're doing a really good job. They're sticking with the same recipes and everything that they had. So it's not really much of a change. The problem with going to this Deja Brew coffee shop is that there's five bajillion things and they've even got a gluten-free side. Yes, um, which is amazing. But every time I go there, I see all these cakes like or carrot cake. I could eat carrot cake every day of the week, but they had a German chocolate cake. Oh, I haven't had German chocolate cake in at least a decade plus. But uh, I had to go with the apple fritter coffee cake. I've got to go with the apple flavor. And if you all get to know me... Um, Everybody's like, especially come October, the pumpkin spice, pumpkin this. And I, while I like some of that, 
I got to go with apple flavor. And one of these days, we're going to make it to the Biglerville Apple Festival. We are. We just have so much stuff going on in October that some somehow that always gets cut out of our plans. So um, now that you've heard all of our coffee shop and baked treats preferences, <laughs> let's get back on Hellbender and the background, specifically on Hellbender. Um, yes. The cast and crew, this is an easy one to, to get through. Um, John Adams, Zelda Adams, the, the married couple who started their family. Um, guys, ch- again, check out the Joe Bob episode to learn more about them and their background. But uh, it, it's funny. To- yeah, Toby Poser. Toby Poser. Can't forget him. Written yes. by the Zelda family, including Toby Poser, produced by Toby Poser. The Zelda um, family? What? <laughs> did I say the Zelda family? Okay, did. I had a brain fart. The Adams family. <laughs> Just thinking about the Zelda game. Zelda Adams. Toby Poser, John Adams, and Lulu Adams are all in this. Yep. Um, cinematography, you guessed it, John and Zelda. Edited by John. Music by John. Well, the whole entire family. And um, Wonder Wheel Productions. But, and that that is special to them because um, that's where he proposed. Yeah, at the Wonder Wheel. Yeah. Um, and that's where they started their family, at the Wonder Wheel. And uh, what is it, Coney Island? Yes. And um, yeah, distributed by Shutter. So... This one was released um, about a year and a half ago or so around August 2021 at the Fantasia Fest. That's how <laughs> it grew a following. Um, and of course, last year, February 24th and uh, uh, via Shudder. We'll, we'll dive into the family a little bit more later and the soundtrack, which we absolutely love. Yes. But uh, let's look at this poster, Carrie. Like I'm looking at this poster. First of all, I love the simplicity of just black, white, red. I love the symbol that you see throughout the film. Did they ever state specifically why they went with this symbol? I wonder if it's it's has a if it's a real symbol. I'm I'm sure they did their research. Yeah. Um, immediately, I can't help but like I think of the symbol in Blair Witch whenever I look at that. that it's kind of this kinda one's similar. got a lot more lore and backstory yes. around it and development around it throughout the film the character development is amazing yeah. in this and I, I love the uh the crown um on her head you know what's interesting the picture of her stops at her mouth mm-hmm. and then it almost looks like when it it's got the text below at an adam's family film oh yeah like it opens up wide yes and it's and almost like hey you know there's more to this hellbender than her just being a witch yes but uh the the tagline growing up is hell I'd say that could just about sum it up for a lot of us. I was just gonna say that could go for everyone. Um, this is this is a coming of age film between mother and daughter, and uh, I know you're going to um, dive into that dynamic a little bit more later. Um, so, given the nature of this film, we're gonna do a little quick change up just for this episode. We're gonna expand on favorite moments, including dialogue, death and effects, and then favorite song from the soundtrack. Um, this isn't a film guys. I'm sure a lot of you have already watched it where there's, you know, it's like a slasher film with a group of friends and there's like, you know, eight different people that you could choose from very much, uh, an intimate film with maybe six characters max Max. and 90% of the time it's two mother and daughter. Yes. Um, The duo, the duo. So let's, let's start off with favorite scenes and dialogue, Carrie. Okay, so my favorite scene was, you know, when the mother and daughter are walking in the woods and she just found out that she has this power. 
she's just starting to understand the origin and their powers and very powerful scene where the mother makes this daisy flower and you can see you know there's a lot of light to her magic she tries to stay you know out of the shadows basically and the daughter's creation it just vanishes into the ground um the mom's like holy shit you know the daughter has no limits to her powers and really you know the mother is very protective it's it's light um she is a very loving mother um but there's just certain things she won't do she won't go there because well she grew up that way and how her mother raised her she did terrible things and she regretted them so she just won't go back there um you know, and she often talks about restraining the powers because they are inherently dark. She creates special diets so that they can't use their powers so so much. And that the daughter is basically having a double schooling. She's getting the information from the mom and then she's getting the information from the book. Can you expand on that feeling? Because like you're coming at this from the mother-daughter angle. Yes. I've got a completely different view on this just because of like the whole daddy daughter thing and oh by the way it's not lost on me that there is no dad in this film and i know you know the reason Mm -hmm. why there is no dad in this film and i know it very overtly um tells you why i guess you could say it alludes to it are we 100 percent certain that's how she was born with with 100 percent yes she said she says that they okay we'll we'll get to it later okay so tell me about because i look at this you hate it when I call you helicopter mom. And I, I don't believe that you are in comparison to some other people. I'm a mama that we bear. Know. You're a mama bear. Yeah, when it gets bear. to there, you've got you've got a lot of leeway, but you've got red lines not to cross. Um, what about like, because I, some of this, let's take it, let's forget that this is like a, a supernatural witch slash hellbender film. Some of it was like, damn she doesn't even let her go into town like that from my perspective it's like okay you don't have to tell her about her powers but you won't even let her go pick up groceries i i think when she was first born i think there was some kind of event that happened that transpired where it freaked the mother out and so she thought she was doing the right thing in protecting the daughter from being hunted down and the daughter from other people that she could possibly harm because she even tells her you're dangerous she reminds her of her mom she does so this is like is this like a skip like yes they're all hellbenders but the darkness cannot be restrained as easily every other generation is what i'm getting with this movie well yeah and she said her mother did terrible terrible things and she suffered from it the things that she was forced to do i did i agree with you on your favorite scene there um her reaction when whenever her creation vanishes into the ground that that's a good one um I'm going to expand on this scene and in effects as well, but talking about mine here, um, my overall favorite scene is when she makes it past the door and puts her hand on the black book. Did it actually show the, the inside of the black book at all? 
No. Uh, I think there was a brief moment where it did that. Like it flipped open like the Necrocomicon a little bit, but it didn't. I told, I told you, see, she's still thinking about <laughs> Bruce Campbell, guys. I knew it. I knew it. But it it, anyway. it shut it real quickly. And so it's mostly they can read just via the... Next, she's going to find a way where this is connected to the Evil Dead franchise. No, it's not. You were hoping for that, though, in the recesses of your mind. Um, anyways, yeah, so she puts <laughs> she puts her hand on the book, and she, this is like an aha moment for Izzy. Um, I also really have to add um, that any scene with her and her mom jamming was a great way to break up the film and explore their mother-daughter relationship. Um, I thought that not just that within the story itself, but they did a good job featuring their full range of their creativity in this movie. Like as soon as you hear like Adams did this, so-and-so Adams did that. And then it's like, okay, you see it and not just the camera work and the drone work and, but you're hearing it in the soundtrack too. Mm -hmm. Um, Papa Adams. I'm just gonna keep calling him Papa Adams, which their their makeup on their face was so cool. It was I like know. tribal makeup or something. I was wondering what kind of paint they used. The black and red, like down across the forehead and the white. Um, are, we're gonna have to look more into them because I, I'd like to know because the episode mentioned it being tribal makeup. So is that is in their blood? I don't know. Seeing if I could stare at you if you were, if I was going to pull out this idea, this memory that makes you laugh every single time. <laughs> okay, so you <laughs> want glad, me to tell? I'm it? glad. I'm glad just by looking at you, you know what I'm, I'm what I'm wanting you to reference. Yes. So when we first met in college, this was we were sitting down, and I know Jake, yes. if you're listening, the Midnight Traveler. This was at IUP, circa 2003. I was just meeting your grandmother for the first time. I think it might even be your parents for the first time. It might have been all of them all at once. You got bombarded. I did. Anyways, uh, at Culpepper's. Yes. Awesome wings. Dollar wings. For lunch. We had lunch there. A late lunch. (coughs) We were sitting down and we were talking. It was a good time. Everybody was enjoying themselves. I don't know how we got talking about... Ethnicity. It was, it was just my grandfather not being around anymore. Yeah. It, we just got talking about ethnicities for some reason. And I don't know how, but, and Probably I thought they were just meeting you and wondering like, Oh, Kay said you weren't Italian, but you yes. look Italian. And I, a lot of people say that, but I'm not Italian. Nope. Not at all. Everybody wants to be Italian, <laughs> which is a terrible, Dude, I do terrible not movie. recommend that movie. <laughs> we were forced to watch. <laughs> my my oldest sibling is banned. I'm picking movies on double date night. Banned. So anyways, anyways. go ahead. Sorry. The, uh, so the topic talking came about up. my would be ancestry. Yes. <laughs> and I, and you said, I said, Oh, you mean like you're part, I'm part Cherokee, Cherokee. or it, or so I thought <laughs> <laughs> this, this was a terrible 20 year joke played on me. Your mom almost spit out her drink at lunch. My grandfather, Norman was a prankster. <laughs> And Gigi even was like having a hard time from stifling her laugh. So where I grew up in Newcastle, <laughs> Pennsylvania, in Shenango Township, uh, there is plenty of instances, even the word Shenango in a lot of the district schools, Mohawk, you know, what, there was the Wampum area near us, the Monog- of course, the Monongahela. There's yeah. all those tribal yeah. 
um, indigenous names. And so we, we did have, our neighborhood was near some burial grounds, some old indigenous burial grounds. And, uh, he talked about our Cherokee blood and for a good solid 20 years, 15 to 20 years, I had it in my head and I went around telling people all this time that I had Cherokee blood and people were like, wow, that's so cool. Yeah. And I thought, Uh, this is before the days of ancestry where that could have been quickly proven wrong. (laughs) I mean, your cheeks can get red at times. So I was like, okay. (laughs) I do. I like do blush whenever I'm like get a little on the bashful side. I'm like, okay. Yeah, sure. I'll buy this. (laughs) Why would you lie about that? (laughs) My cheeks get red. Never mind. It could be blood pressure. It just could be flushing <laughs> from anxiety. Yeah. So yeah. Otherwise, if I had not brought that up, you would have gone your entire life thinking that. I wish. I mean, I wish I was had some indigenous uh, blood, but uh, yeah. alas, I do not. And probably a lot of the red comes from my Scottish blood, yes. truthfully. Although I'm not as hot blooded as I used to be. But um, the the, wait, last, where was I here? We're getting way the, off track I know. Now. The last great joke your grandfather ever played on you. I know. Had me thinking I was part Cherokee. Talk, you want to talk about <laughs> a guy that was not PC whatsoever? Holy smokes. If I could interview him right now, I'd have to go in and do a lot of editing later. <laughs> um, but uh, he was a good guy. Papa Adams, bringing it back to Hellbender. Mentioned on the Joe Bob episode, wanting to get out of the way on this film. Um, I wonder if he's going to be featured more in their next one. And uh, I'll touch on that a little bit later. So now we're going to move on um, to favorite death and or effects, I think yeah. is fair. Because there's not a lot of death in this movie compared to a lot of No, they films. just allude to a lot of death. So my favorite effect is when John Adams' character, he's just known as the neighbor's uncle. He approaches her as this lost hitchhiker looking for directions. And you can tell that this guy with his phone, he's trying to figure out how to get closer to her. You know, Izzy's not used to seeing a lot of people. And she was told she had an autoimmune disorder. So she needs to stay away from people. But beyond that, she's also standoffish. So something's off about this guy that she can kind of pick up on. Um, you know, she was raised on this huge chunk of rural, you know, land. And this dude is a stranger just trespassing. When I was, I'll just interject right here. This forest that they, this, the Catskills, it, um, and this was brought up on the Joe Bob episode. It does remind me of, um, what Friday the 13th films used to look like. Um, it just has that Northeastern slash mid-Atlantic look to it. There's just a certain thing like... I don't know. We we can expand on the woods in Friday the 13th come next fall. So anyway, sorry. I, I just had to say that because it's been a while since I've seen a movie so heavily feature Northeastern woods. Yeah. Um, it was it was beautiful visually. Um, the mom, you know, she comes up and she questions him, you know, through the blood connection powers. The mom reads him and she knows something, A, either sinister about him or B. B, you know, he mentioned that, he, you know, to Izzy that he came across this word symbol. The one per- on the poster. Yeah, perhaps he knew something too much and she was making sure he couldn't find out anymore. You know, either way, the guy had to go. Do you think that they're like winking at the audience like maybe this guy 
has had a lot of weird experiences and he's been like, he's been, this isn't the first time that he's seen this symbol. Maybe. Or maybe maybe this is the first time the mom hasn't noticed him kind of lurking around looking at stuff. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. It was just like, it's almost like the Paul and Friday the 13th. Like, did Paul and Ted know more than what they were leading on? Like Ted jokes about camp blood. And then he's like, oh, you know, they're like, they see the log in the middle of the road. And uh, he starts talking to us like, oh, no, no, no. But believe me, you don't want to hear about camp blood. And he got like really super uncomfortable. So the mom, other than this guy creeping up on an underage girl, the mom almost like is like, okay, even with the ritual, she finds out exactly what he's up to. We don't know the audience, but it almost seems she like knows. they're wing. She knows, but we, the audience, don't know how much he actually knows or what his intentions were. But it, to me, she- it kind of like, if the, if it's up to us to decide, I could see a scenario where this guy was like for a while, like there's some really unex- weird, unexplained stuff going on around here. Well, she, I don't know if you <clears throat> saw it, but she almost had like a tear, a tear came out of her face after she read his blood, almost as if like there was something horrific in his past. I, I, I just got, maybe got the sense this guy was a, he was a perv at maybe, best. Maybe. Or a doctor, a or murderer. serial killer or something. Yeah. There were, there was some, I mean, you can go on and on and on, but there was definitely something that made her basically cry and tear up. Yeah. Um, and she could have been crying because she was going to have to kill him too. Mm-hmm. Which was going to bring a lot of questions. So it could have been a lot of things. Um, but his death scene was awesome, you know, being lifted off the ground and turned into dust, you know, and thankfully, you know, with the interview with Joe Bob, we understand how that was pulled off with the Kubota. I mean, that's, that's awesome. <coughs> that's inventive. And that's very practical effect. I'm just laughing cool. how he said that the daughter that plays Izzy's friend was working it and like he was hoisted up too quick and hard and said it was pretty rough. <laughs> uh, it, it hurt quite a bit. Um, to be hoisted up. I, I would imagine he had some mechanisms like around his groin and probably. legs. Probably. Harness, um, probably a harness. How, how about we're rewatching all this? It's kind of funny. And I ended up with like, I remember I was like sitting there funny on the couch and all of a sudden I went to get up yes. and my groin, I like screamed in pain when <laughs> yeah. we were watching this. I was this. like, what's wrong? <laughs> there was some transference of power from Ooh. his Kubota situation to my situation in the it was quite the situation. It's a bitch getting old. Cause like, I swear to you five years ago, that wouldn't have even happened. No, to me. it wouldn't. Um, it is time for a new couch though. That thing is like turning into a death trap. Thank you. Pumpkin, <laughs> our dog, our poodle for tearing the living crud out of that couch. Um, I can't even call it a couch anymore. It's just like a lump of wooden frame. And she material. like tore out stuffing and made <laughs> a divot. Go. She made a divot just so she could <laughs> lay in it. Yeah. She's like a little freaking groundhog. Literally tore a divot into the... I'm not joking, folks. A divot into the couch. So anyways, my favorite death... Divots. Big divot in the ground of my favorite death. Favorite death is the one you don't see on screen. Um, The guy who owns the pool that they're crashing. You know, we got the awesome drumming scene whenever she first meets the neighbor and all of her friends. And that's where he's like, hey, it's your first drink. Like, you got to have this you know, worm, worm in your drink, not a tequila worm, but a, a live worm, a live worm, um, that you would use for bait here in Pennsylvania. But, Oof. uh, I wonder but, if she really 
ate it. Yeah, they didn't ask her that. Did they actually? Did she actually eat the worm? That's what I wonder. Interesting. I mean, it is protein. Maybe we should ask them. And worm slash protein equals power. <laughs> Good plug for the episode title, Carrie. Um, <coughs> Amber asks Izzy eventually whenever she reconnects with her, gives her awkwardly gives her back her uh, what are the hair things she gives back to her? Her hair clip. Her well, hair she tries clip. to give back the hair clip. Did you notice the scene where she was like floating the hair clip the one time she was laying down? When I she didn't was notice to... that the first time. I you didn't watched notice this. it either, but it was like a little subtle thing. I'm like, oh, that's cool. She was using the force. Um, Amber asks Izzy if, uh, you know, once the guy's like, hey, get away from my pool. And it just, it kind of sits on him. It's like, okay, this guy's done for. If she heard about what happened to the pool guy. So obviously he's dead. Um, at this point, I was wondering, at least, especially when we watched this the first time, I'm like thinking, oh, things are about to get real. The police, like the even the one police mm-hmm. and the law enforcement guy approaches them and said, hey, you know, we had this guy's, this person's uncle went missing and there's been a lot of uh, weird animal deaths in the area. Like, yeah. you guys know anything about that? And she jokingly brings up, like, have you heard about the hellbenders? Wink, maybe wink, wink, audience. Maybe it's a hellbender. <clears throat> like basically telling him, yeah, it's us, dipshit. Yes. The mom got it. At first I thought the mom was going to rip into her after she left, but she kind of liked it. And that was the devilishness in her. I was wondering if the police were going to start closing in whenever we first watched this, like if it was going to turn to like, they're going to be on the run. Um, but I'm, I'm glad they didn't go that route. Yeah. And again, not a ton of death in this movie, but I thought that dialogue and the death, even though off screen was effective, mm-hmm. some off screen deaths can be effective. Yeah. In this case, I thought it was effective to show the progression of Izzy's power. Or uh, how out of control she was. Starting to starting to go dark. Yeah. Um, you know, the guy didn't deserve to die. <laughs> I mean, if you think but, about this. But he was getting forceful with her and telling, threatening her. It wasn't threatening her. Oh, he was. No, he was. No, I thought he said, just stay right there. Nope. I'm calling the police. He said, you're going to stay there and you're going to answer for this as I call the police. Okay. He said, you're not going to leave. Okay. So that's threatening. Okay. But if somebody said she that trespassed. to you, are you going to kill them on their property? No. I, okay. That's of course. All. You see the conundrum here. Well, but she's not used to being around people. Okay. Well, so. that's a good enough excuse. <laughs> Back to the. Um, I'm going to go back to the locked rooms and Carrie is justifying cold-blooded hellbender murder. <laughs> She's not socialized, so she doesn't know how to react. In this hellbender universe, I'm, yes. I'm going to give it a pass. <laughs> uh, the key, I'm going to go back to the locked room scene. And, and I know this was mentioned on Joe Bob, but the key coming out through the back of the hand was so cool. I, I'd like to hear more from the Adams family about how they pulled that off, like the either a camera trick or editing or combination of all those um i just like it I, I just think it's a very simple understated effect um i love the simplicity of the overhead shots with the drone featuring the forest mm-hmm. i can't help but think of friday the 13th as soon as it was mentioned on the episode every time i see the woods in this i'm like friday the 13th friday the 13th um <clears throat> you made this point which i'm stealing the yeah. forest itself is really a character and it's host to all of the creatures and plants um, all sorts of living things that can give them their varying degrees of power via fear in the blood, um, or the concoctions used towards different hellbender abilities. Um, and, and can I just mention yeah. real quick, this sure. just shows <laughs> you how, you know, women as a whole 
can get very protective in certain situations. And it just shows how powerful women can be. I mean, women can be really, really mean to each other. It exists probably from about third grade on, as we're finding out this year with both of our kids. But um, anyways, as if I haven't had enough discussion about that. (laughs) I'm not going to discuss that. I I know that, but you just... It, it, I mean, it's right under the surface for us. So, yes, um, it, 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 it hits home. I, I'll tell you what, if I'm hiking through the woods alone, first of all, which I would never be doing that right there is sus. Don't. <laughs> so sus, mom. Stop. Mom, that's sus. <laughs> if I hear that word, I don't know how many more it's times. A, it's a little sus that you're so mad about the word sus. <laughs> Say um, the entire word. Suspicious. But look at look at that. I didn't have to. You knew what I was talking about without me having to waste breath on that. Only because one time Extra I asked syllables. the kids. When the kids first started saying it, I said, what does that mean? Tell me. What does that mean? And they're like, suspicious. I said, just say the word. Hmm. I think there's a lot of listeners out there that would disagree with you. We were watching something and somebody said it and I forget what it was. I was just like... What? You just you didn't care anymore at that point. You were just had blind rage from hearing that word. But um, let's move on, Carrie, to the Hellbender Lord. Oh yeah, the Hellbender Lord. <laughs> there is no Lord. There might be, maybe in the prequel or the sequel. But um, let's talk about the Serpentine, Libyan, yeah, lo- and Greek mythology history behind this idea that the Adams family had, Based, not the Zelda family, not the, Z- the, the, the Adams Ad- family, the Adams family. <laughs> Carrie, talk about um, because the mother mentioned this, yes, the Lamia, she, Lamia, and uh, this we're we're taking this from Wikipedia. This was just yeah. our, our brief research here, just a general, you know, from it's an ancient Greek mythology where she was a child-eating monster. And in later tradition was regarded as a type of night haunting spirit, daemon. See, they mentioned the um, the Libyan, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't realize it was until now that it was tied into Greek mythology. Well, it makes sense. So um, she was a queen of uh, Lamia. Libya. Of ancient Libya. Um, oh, she had an affair, affair with Zeus? Yeah, there's this whole thing where Zeus's wife Hera robbed Lamia of her children. So Lamia was like, God damn bitch, I'm going to get back and you start eating your ch- eating kids. Um, hmm. So because of her children snatching, looks like she became ugly and monstrous. Yeah. What else about the Lamia? Uh, she gave Lamia, Zeus gave Lamia the power of prophecy, the ability to take out and reinsert her eyes mm-hmm. interesting why would you need that but you know she was cursed by Hera with oh insomnia so she could no longer sleep and close her eyes so she was a f- forced to obsess over her lost children any mother who has lost children you would be haunted by that for sure without getting too technical into mythology and archaeology and whatnot um the one thing that stood out to me that in previous centuries lamia was used in greece as a boogeyman of sorts to frighten children into obedience um similar in the way that uh parents families in uh, latin america portugal spain 
used um, the cocoa to frighten their children. Oh, interesting. And my grandmother... Wasn't that featured in The Outsider? Remember that Stephen King movie, the guy from Rogue One, The Outsider show with I the boogeyman? Might, Was that the cocoa? I don't, I don't remember. We'll have to look into we'll the cocoa. Recall. Interesting, because my grandmother, they used to make us behave. They used the theory of Big Ben in the basement. Yeah, everybody's got their own version of the boogeyman. <clears throat> the one thing that I wanted to talk about... Yeah, Carrie, let's move on to soundtrack and Hellbender. Okay. Um, I'm going with the first song that you hear in the movie right out of the gate, Rip It. The song Rip It, I, I thought that was just like a great hard rock sound. One of my favorite um, parts of the verse from that is like, I'm a bad luck penny and I'll take you pound for pound. Um, there's some oomph and some uh, dark negativity in those um, lyrics. It, it just feels like music that you don't hear on the top 40 anymore. Uh, and again, people that want to play instruments, um, I say hell yes to the Adams family because those are some musical skills that are waning these days. There are no bands anymore. So <laughs> Carrie, what's your favorite soundtrack? The Armageddon, you know, when they basically say, I'll follow you tomorrow. I mean, it's very catchy. I love the drum sequences. It's very heavy on drum solo. Um, don't, don't, don't you dare start singing. <laughs> no, no way. You're never going to get me to sing, ever. All of those apologies ring hollow. Yeah. Thank you. Um, those lyrics, they're very grill. Grill-centric? We do need a new grill. <laughs> we do, and that's why I have that on my mind. The hellbenders <laughs> need to have a song about grills <laughs> in the Catskills. <laughs> It's very girl power centric. What happens if a hellbender grills its meat? See, it needs the fresh fear induced blood, right? Yes. It's got to be raw. It's got to be raw, which I have had raw hamburger meat. <laughs> yeah, but you're not even from Wisconsin. The the cannibal sandwiches. I I but listen. I'm never kissing you ever again. But listen, I the way I grew up. Okay, the way I grew up, my family is Pennsylvania Dutch. Part of it. And it was a delicacy. There's we, out there somewhere, there's people that are Pennsylvania Dutch that are not from Johnstown, <laughs> Pennsylvania. That'll say, I um, never had raw meat in my entire life. What the hell are you talking about, Johnstown? <laughs> well, we would mix it in with like onions and flavor the seasoning and pepper and not salt. Not getting better. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really, that was a really hard habit to break. No wonder you've got so much dark rage around you. You're a hellbender <laughs> and didn't know it. Um, is is Johnstown, Pennsylvania a hub for hellbenders? Probably not. Watch out. <laughs> but um, going back to the track Armageddon, you know, it feels like this is someone you would not want to wrong in the way the lyrics are, but it's such a catchy tune. I'm from Johnstown and I'll eat all the raw meat. Listen, we um, stopped once the E. coli, the mad cow disease came out is when we stopped. You're going to start it again. <laughs> um, um, I was going to get to reaction ratings, but uh, oh, here it is from the most loyal werewolf around. <laughs> Another audiogram from our friend Jake, the Midnight Traveler. Case and Carrie. Hey, everybody. Have you heard the news? Joe Bob is back in town. <laughs> Hello again, my fiendish friends of fright. This is Jake, the Midnight Traveler, 
coming at you from well into the murky darkness of the evening to talk about family values. And of course, witchcraft and deviltry with a Texas twist. Now, with my letters, I genuinely try to give you something unique with every entry to share my opinions and keep you entertained. As the supplier of these passages, it's my duty to make sure that they are of good quality and consistent. And in order to do so, I feel that inevitably my letters do fall into a bit of a pattern. I start with some quips, maybe some clever or not so clever alliteration, and then dive into how I came across whatever movie or experience we are talking about, and then it's right into the guts of the thing. Well, this letter will be the first of many, no doubt, that will have to mention the indelible impact of a man from Northeast Texas. Yes, I am referring to the man, the myth, the dawn of the drive-in, the master of mutants, Joe Bob Briggs. Yes, on an episode of the epic The Last Drive-In is where I first heard of and saw this week's entry, Hellbender. Now, we here at Dying from Midnight, both in and outside of the main office, have had discussions about delving much further into Joe Bob and his impact on not just us, but the entire horror community in general. So with as much restraint and self-control as I can muster, I'm going to table further discussions on the man and his work until a later date. As for now, let's go back to a warm spring evening in central Texas in a cozy house on the south side of town. It was my fiancé that put this man back on my radar, and over the years, watching these films with Joe Bob and the always stunning Darcy the Male Girl became an event. Sometimes I could convince my partner to make some killer sloppy Joe Bobs with spicy Texas barbecue sauce to go along with it while we took it in on a Saturday or Sunday night. It's a lot easier for us to watch when we could stop and start whenever as our connection wasn't that deadly down there. One night, it was this little film from upstate New York that came on that neither of us had ever heard about, let alone saw, that came on as we settled in. Now, I don't think I'm alone in saying this, but this film was not really like anything I was expecting. It genuinely seemed like a real family was behind this. There was. And it seemed like it was made without much involvement from any outside sources. Once again, true. So it really has its own look and feel that not too many horror films can manage. All in all, I don't think it was anything earth-shattering, but I do appreciate its unique, slow-burn quirkiness. Like most films of this ilk, you know something is wrong and that something is coming, but it's all a question of what, where, and when, and it's up to the filmmakers to make that journey as interesting as they can. I feel that Overall, the Adams family, <laughs> yeah, was successful 
in making a solid film about the dangers of witchcraft and secrets. In a way, it kind of hits on that whole generational trauma theme that seems to be very popular in cinema these days, especially in one of Disney, like, you know, Moana, Coco, Encanto, and Frozen, just to name a few at the top of my head, where the young are hidden from the secrets of the past with sometimes disastrous consequences. I gotta say that the production design on this film was pretty impressive for being so low budget. Like, I really like the little touches they make here and there, like uh, the face paint that's on Mom and Izzy's faces when they sport the musical numbers. I thought it was very well done. But to me, this is a unique film and a run-of-the-mill film at the same time that may or may not be worth your time. I could understand how this one could be polarizing and I can find as many flaws with it as I can strengths. But that aside, it is well made and if you want something to cleanse the palate in terms of your quote-unquote usual horror, then this is a pretty decent one to take in. I think that about wraps it up for me here tonight, my friends. This film has given me a lot to think about. Could I live in the woods like a hermit? Could I give up 98% of human contact to keep my loved ones safe? Could I eat only sticks and fungus to literally avoid Satan? Hmm. Let me finish this Italian jalapeno cheddar sausage hoagie and get back to you on that. See you next midnight, Jake. Ah, thanks, Jake. We miss you, buddy. Hope you're doing okay all the ways out there on the perimeter, on the edges of the mysterious, I don't know, fifth, sixth dimension. I don't know what dimension he's in right now. But um, back to the reactions and ratings. I am giving Hellbender a three out of five flamethrowers. It's a fun flick with unique lore, good acting, um, and a very entertaining mother-daughter dynamic. It's a film that... I wish probably would have been maybe about 10 to 15 minutes longer. Um, I would have liked to have watched Izzy interacting with some people in town um, after she learns um, about her powers or expands them to see exactly which way she's going to go. I mean, they're, she's dark. And I have to agree with Joe, Bob, that a darker ending would have been fun. Um, is she going to devour her mother? Is she going to kill more people? Perhaps over time. But in terms of within the length of this movie, not yet. Yeah. I, I gave this a three and a half out of five flamethrower. It's a very beautiful film visually. Um, it resonates with me given the mother-daughter relationship. And it's very powerful. You know, with mothers and daughters, there's always a power struggle. Um, who's in control? You know, the mother wants to be in control to look out for the daughter and protect her. And the daughter wants to rebel and be in control of her own life. It is a natural progression and a very coming of age movie. So, <clears throat> Carrie, that brings us to the overall Dying for Midnight rating of 3.25 out of 5 flamethrowers. <clears throat> I'm glad. We're both glad that this is a smaller scale, family friendly film. Um, it's a, I think that a big studio would have ruined this film. Yeah, I um, agree. I think we can all agree that the horror gems belong to the creative. 
Um, it doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be unique. Hellbender has just got its own unique lore. Movies like Hellbender take chances. They get you thinking. The average moviegoer who wants to see Scream 6, and then that's the only time that they're heading back, you know, they're going to the theater for horror, might not necessarily be seeking out these independent films. And I'm sure a lot of them are too. I'm sure a lot of them are like us. They're, they want a little bit of everything. We like a wide variety of horror. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think a lot of people do. I think it's a great gateway film. I said it's a great family-friendly film. I think if you want to introduce the younger crowd to horror, I think this is dark enough, but not overly gory or violent. Yes. It's And it, again, it's just, from lay, my layman's point of view, it's just artsy enough. I think to give you a flavor of independent films, of film festival films, to kind of dip your toe into something different. In terms of something different in a horror, I think if you're, you know, it was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm really into the the horror franchises and i'm into you know the the screams you know all the big ones friday the 13th and i mean everybody you know, everybody knows a, the a, franchises. a lot of, yeah a lot of parents will introduce their kids to horror mm-hmm. via the franchises because they've especially in our generation the and generation x and whatnot they've they've watched it so much they know exactly where to nope don't look at that or cover oh, fast eyes, forward yep. cover your eyes that's funny how it's changed over time for us with them because there's things that I let them see now that I wouldn't even a year ago. Although they're still not allowed to see any. They're not watching Terrifier anytime yeah. soon. Oh, oh, hell no. <clears throat> um, so I, I would say things like this. We, we need to do a whole episode or maybe a whole month on gateway horror films. Yeah. Um, what's something that we can show the next crop of younger generations? Well... They still can't get their own ticket to the R-rated theater yet that we can share with them at home. Guys, <clears throat> that brings us to intermission time. I hope everybody liked Hellbender as much as we did. I, I, I cannot wait. Oh, that brings me to, I know what I was going to do. I want to bring up the Adams Family, and I want to bring up specifically what their next movie was. That's what I forgot to bring up. Okay. There is a new one coming out by the Adams Family called Where the Devil Roams. And it traces a family of murderous sideshow performers as it travels around the world on the dying carnival circuit. Check it out on IMDb. Again, John, Zelda, Toby, they're all directing. Um, They're all in it. I can't wait to see this. Yeah, and they they come back from, they come from a very creative family. I mean, Toby Poser was in theater and... John was a, a model, and now I think Zelda is modeling too. So very creative family. There's another one that um, that he's in that that John Adams is spe- excuse me specifically and called the Dead Place. Hmm. That that's coming up. A troubled high school senior reading from IMDb. A troubled high school senior Isaac suffers from visions of malevolent spirits whose hauntings intensify. Amidst an onslaught of bullying and familial tragedy, pushing him to discover a capacity for violence. He never knew he possessed. Hmm. Uh, interesting. So yeah, I, I had to throw those out there. Guys, now it is intermission time. Thanks again to Carl Casey at White Bat Audio for the intro track, Dead by Dawn. Up next is Hoarder Etc., where you can find the second segment on our fully extended episodes via Patreon, Apple, or Spotify. You can take our RSS or all around town to any of your favorite podcast platforms. Shout out to Linda, a Monster Hunter Patreon, and shout out to Jared M. Myers fan. That's his username on Instagram for an awesome subject. He posted about Jason and was wondering when Jason became a zombie throughout the Friday the 13th franchise. He mentions part six in his post and uh, he and I, excuse me, the male wolf, 
had a lovely exchange. Carrie, at what point in the Friday the 13th franchise do you think Jason, I'm just bringing it back to Friday the 13th again. Hmm. What point do you think Jason was undead? And uh, uh, by the way, again, we've got plenty of Friday the 13th episodes coming. I would have to say after the third movie. So you think at the beginning of final chapter? Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy to know we're on the same page. That's what I told him. Ooh. I was like, hey, you got to look at his grayish skin. Yeah. You got to look at the gnarly blackish fingernails. And the fact that Chris at the end of three gives him an ax to the head. That's what I mean. You and can, now he's how coming How can you back. survive that? I've always thought, even since part two, Paul tells that campfire story. The curse of Crystal Lake brings Jason back alive. He drowns. Don't ask me how the hell his mom and him miss each other. Yeah, all, the, all those times. How could he not run up to his mom and be like, Mom, I'm alive. Because he has a splintered mind. Or yeah. is he alive? There is no, well. That could be a debate. We'll save that for October. Next, guys, if you want to stick around for our fully extended episodes. In segment two, this episode, for horror, etc., we're talking campfire stories. AKA the witchy women of Pennsylvania. Carrie and I have a couple of uh, stories and personalities that were shared with us over our childhood. Yeah. We'll dive in a little bit of that later. Places we visited. Places we visited. Stories we've been told. Um, one, you have a story about something called the lost children of the Alleghenies. Yes. In Bedford County. Okay. And I have one about Mary Black from Newcastle, Pennsylvania, a.k.a. Bloody Mary. Is it the Bloody Mary? It's up for debate. But anyways, love you guys. Talk to you later. What is it? Say, what is it? Hey, why it's buttercup. Popcorn and sweet cream butter, too hot popcorn. Mix it up, wrap it up, buttercup is born. It's delicious. So nutritious. It's a taste delight. It's so munchy, crisp and crunchy. You'll enjoy each bite. Eat butter, drenched buttercup, popcorn at its best. Served in a king-size cup. 